it was just a seismic piece of news. I think people couldn't quite believe it. The virus doesn't care about you. The virus wants to reproduce. ISIS suddenly came out of nowhere, came out of the desert. No one could quite believe what was going on. Stories of Our Times, a new daily podcast from The Times and The Sunday Times. Listen now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. I'm Rachel Fisher. Hi, I'm Desi Jedekin. And we just want to take the first moment of the show to give a shout out to all our Patreon contributors that we got this past week. We really appreciate it. If you donate a dollar or more, you will get a shout out on the show. And we're going to take this opportunity to give a shout out to all 11 of our patrons right now. Uh, Of course, when we do get more, we will be rotating them week by week. But right now, I feel like we can give a shout out to 11 people right now. Let's give a shout out to Dan, our OG patron. Thank you, Dan. (laughs) We got Joshua, Amanda, Ashley. We got someone named It's All Been Done presents. Thank you. We got David, Michael, Chad, Christiane, Will, and Bill. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I know some of you follow me. so say hi. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> we really appreciate it. We were really, um, both of us were so excited every week. Oh my God, we got another patron. That's yeah. so cool. <laughs> and we really hope you guys like the bonus episode that we did also. Uh-huh. I know we had a really hot time recording it. Yeah, and we have another hot one coming for you. It is really. Just to make the people who don't donate jealous. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Jesse decided that all of our bonus episodes, well, at least most of them are going to be pretty raunchy and sexual. Yeah. So if you want to hear us talk dirty. Yeah. You can get some of that for just a measly five bucks a month. It's like a cam girl. It is. We're like really cheap. Very chaste. There was a few crimes that were a bit sexual this week that I think we're going to hit on. Absolutely. Um, One of them, of course, people sent both of these stories to me. Because they know my interest. They say this is of interest yeah. to you. Uh, is it masturbation or crafting? Then I know Desi <laughs> will be interested in those <laughs> topics. Um, the first one was that this is kind of a mystery. Um, someone was caught masturbating while watching the Emoji movie. Wow. Which is probably the best thing you can do while watching the Emoji movie. It's probably the most productive thing you can do. Right. Um Actually, the, the way I saw that story was uh, my friend James Urbaniak, hey, if you're listening, he had a really great tweet where he quote tweeted that story and he said, wow, Chris Christie just doesn't give a fuck anymore <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> so I love the idea that it was Chris Christie in that movie theater, just like fucking over it. He likes you know? that salsa dancer. Oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> um, and then the other story was a masturbation related story too right? right it was PETA thanking Robert Pattinson Twilight Star for not jerking off a dog which I feel like shouldn't we all get that medal I've never jerked off a dog I have also I've never even considered it I feel like I should get an extra medal for it. like was there a right. moment where he's like I don't know I'm gonna do this it's my character it's in line with my character like, what's my motivation here? Do I, I, am I trying to get the dog off, or am I trying to humiliate the dog? I like, didn't even know that was a thing that you did, unless the only thing I could think of is maybe you're a breeder, and, like, you have to oh, for some medical reason. Right. But is he a dog breeder? No, that's not, like, a normal thing. I'm actually having, like, um, a regressed memory, because I had a friend whose mom, uh, I think, jerked off a dog, oh. and she was a dog breeder. Do you but I don't know. horn for it? Yeah. You, you, you send it into a room with a cup with and, a, and a nudie dog <laughs> magazine with all their, like, after they gave birth, they have, like, six full tits. <laughs> Sorry. Out. Yeah. Yeah, of course. That's how things work. Okay. Anyways, yeah. Okay. I'm very scientific. We all know this. Um, so I think those were the two best yeah. entertainment-related crime stories this week. I mean, come on. Right. You can't really do much better than that. No. Two jerking off stories. Um, Perfect. So... But anyways, yeah, so check out our Patreon. Uh, everything is 
All of our accounts are pretty much Hollywood Crime Scene. Everything is Hollywood Crime Scene. Our Tumblr, our Instagram, our Facebook. Uh, our Twitter is not. Our Twitter is H Wood Crime Scene. But we're putting up a lot of good content there as well, so you should definitely check it out if you like seeing crime pics. We, set, we do a lot of companion pieces. We tweet gifs yeah. of about said crime. Yeah, so it's good stuff. If you like the stories, then you'll probably like those accounts too. Right. You should just follow it. You can say hi. We'll be like, hey. We, we respond pretty quickly <laughs> yeah. to our accounts. So. Um, okay, and so this week, let's just get right into it. Right. This week, we are talking about the poltergeist curse. If you guys haven't seen the 1982 horror movie classic, Poltergeist, stop what you're doing. Actually, finish listening to this podcast, but I want you to take some time, take a mental health day and watch this film because I just want all of our listeners to know I, Rachel Fisher, probably watched this movie about 100 times when I was a (laughs) child. It was my favorite movie. And I hadn't seen it in probably close to 20 years until last week when, as part of the research for the show, I decided to rewatch the trilogy. And let me tell you, Poltergeist, the first one, the OG, it still holds up. It is still a perfect horror movie. I can't say enough about this movie. I love it so much. Uh, from the little psychic midget lady, you know, the classic yeah. go into the light, Caroline. Yeah. You remember her? She's of course. A, she's an she's iconic the best. Zelda Rubenstein. What's her name on the show? Tan- Tangina. 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 <laughs> I, always wanna, I always feel like I'm going to say it wrong because I want to say vagina. It's very <laughs> vagina-like, but she kind of is a very vagina-like character in that she has a lot She's of very holistic. And holistic. <laughs> she's very holistic and warm. Yeah, she's, she's by far the best character. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean... And actually, I don't. I actually don't like the movie until she shows up because I find it to be very boring. And when I went back and watched it a second time, I was like, "Oh my god, when is she coming?" Like, well, the characters are really ridiculous. I mean, I see, the marriage scenes the marriage are scenes hilarious. Are so funny. I was like, as a kid, it's so funny watching a movie you loved as a kid through an adult perspective because you notice all these weird little things. Like, for example, Craig T. Nelson, who plays the patriarch of the Freeling family. He is reading a book about Reagan, so it's like right after Reagan became president, or right. it's like his like first term, or in his first term um, as president. He's reading this book about Reagan, and then the wife is teasing him about how he used to be a, a fake hippie, and he tried to be a hippie to to get her. And it's like very of the time. They're smoking a joint. Yeah. Um, and Craig T. Nelson, by the way, his whole attitude is just hilarious in the movie because like his whole mood is just like really burnt out, upset alt comic who hasn't made it yet and is just fucking hates it. Like his he's so dry. He's in the he's housing so, development. And right. it's just like he doesn't really like his the guy he works for. He works for this real estate development company. Um and there's this very famous line in the movie, which is one of my favorite lines in all of cinema. And it comes at the end, spoiler alert, sorry. And he goes, he's shaking the, um, you know, it's at, it's at the climax of the movie when all of these dead bodies are, are rising during this rainstorm in the backyard. And and um, Jo Beth Williams, she actually slides into the pool that's unfinished. It's not filled with water yet. It's just filled with mud. And she slides in and she comes up and there's these skeletons around her that have been unearthed during this huge storm right. at their house. And Craig That's the scariest scene, quite frankly. It's really scary. And it's, you know, it's, this is a Steven Spielberg movie, so it has this, like, Indiana Jones skeleton vibe to it. It's, like, very of that era, this early 80s. It's fantastic. And one of my favorite lines in all of cinema is when Craig T. Nelson sees the, for some reason, the real estate developer guy shows up at the house during this climax. I don't remember why, but he's shaking him and he's going... You moved the headstones, but you didn't move the bodies. You son of a bitch, you moved the headstones, but you didn't move the bodies. I love that line so much. (laughs) And with that, after I just explained to you how much I love this movie, we're going to go in to stuff that was happening while they were filming this movie. So, during production of the film, Jo Beth Williams, she plays the mother 
She said that she would return home from set and find pictures hanging in her house that were crooked. She would adjust them, she'd go to work, she'd come back, they were crooked. She started to get really bad feelings about doing this movie and she even once asked herself at night after a day of shooting, should I be doing this film? She had some weird vibes about it. There was another instance that happened during filming in which the famous creepy clown doll that sits in Robbie and Carol Ann's oh, yeah. bedroom. Everyone, That's really scary. If you've seen the movie, you remember that terrifying clown. That clown actually mellow. <laughs> we have a poltergeist in we Rachel's closet. Have, there was a noise that just happened in my closet right now. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. Uh, <laughs> that clown in the movie malfunctioned while it was supposed to be fake strangling Robbie, right. the, the, the young boy in the family, to death. It actually started strangling him. I think it's my cat in the closet. I actually love the actor who plays Robbie. Like, I feel like he's so perfectly cast as just a dorky-ass kid oh, yeah. from that era. Like, he doesn't look like an actor no. or act like one at all. No. I just love fucking Robbie. And his, like, mushroom haircut is <laughs> he's very... He's so perfect. He's perfect for it. And his buck teeth. Yeah. Is, he, I just love Robbie. Absolutely. So Robbie, while, like, the actor who played Robbie, he actually almost got strangled to death by this mechanical clown while they were filming. And he was like, help, help. But, like, for real... And they didn't realize that he was actually dying or, like, getting choked out until he started turning blue, basically. He didn't have a safe word. He... <laughs> <laughs> you know, because some people just are like, help, help, but they're really into it. Like, yeah, <laughs> oh, wait, wait, we're talking about the clown doll. Right. Okay, sorry. But some people do want to be choked the fuck out by a clown doll. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely. I'm sure some of our listeners do. Uh-huh. I know people. Not a mechanical one. I know just people who go to clown fetish parties. Oh, there's every fetish. <laughs> That's another show. That is. So, so that was another weird thing that was happening on set. Right. The third weird thing that happened was to writer James Caan, and he was in charge of writing the novelization of the film, which is a thing. He was working one night, and the building he was in was struck by lightning. Which is, it's very hard to get struck by lightning. Right, I feel like it's that's, rare. That's very rare. This is a quote from James. He said, The facing on the air conditioner unit blew off, blew across the room and hit me in the back. Ouch. He didn't say that, I added that. <laughs> well, thanks. We wouldn't want to misquote him. <laughs> this isn't fake news. No, we're very we're, accurate. We're very, after about a minute or a minute and a half, the lights flickered and went on, and then all the video games in the room started playing themselves. How many video games did he have? <laughs> That's very 80s. Yeah, I was sleeping in an arcade. <laughs> Centipede started going, and then Cubert turned on, too. <laughs> like, like, what the hell? Right. It sounds awesome. It does. Hey, I love thinking of him bringing ladies home. Right. Hey, look at all, <laughs> look at all my, my video, video games. games. I got Ms. Pac-Man. Here's... Here's the first real tragedy of the poltergeist curse. Although no one actually dies in the movie Poltergeist, sadly, truth was deadlier than fiction for one of the main actresses of the film. This would be Dominique Dunn, and she played Dana, the oldest freeling child. In 1981, Dominique met John Sweeney, a chef at a trendy restaurant at a party in L.A., and they fell for each other fast. They moved in together. They had this whirlwind romance, which, as we know, in a lot of abusive situations, is the case where it's very passionate at first, and then things can turn very violent. John was possessive and controlling, and they began to fight all the time. And that's when John Sweeney started to actually get physical with Dominique. He was beating her. I actually read this really long article that was written by Dominique's own father, Dominic Dunn, in 2008 for Vanity Fair. He wrote, basically, he just told his story uh -huh. about the trial and about her, you know, her death. And he recalls being at a restaurant with John and Dominique and some others and seeing John get so fucking pissed off that someone in the restaurant recognized Dominique from Poltergeist, the movie had, like, just come out. Right. Um, 
or he recognized her from the trailer on TV, and, you know, he got so jealous because he just assumed this guy was trying to take his woman away, and he roughed him up. He actually like, grabbed him by the shirt collar and shook him. So Dominique's dad was recalling this story that I was right. reading about this. Um, so the parents were, the parents did have an idea because Dominique would often go back to her mom's house when things would get rough. These two were sharing a condo together in West Hollywood, so they, they lived together. So Dominique, right. fortunately, her parents were in Los Angeles. She could go stay with them or stay with her mother. August 27th, 1982, after a night of fighting in which John would end up pulling her hair out by the root, Dominique sought shelter at her mom's house. John then showed up and started banging on the door of her mom's house, demanding to be let in. A few days later, however, she moved back in with John. Uh. So if that isn't the classic, we're not victim blaming here. This is just unfortunately... This is how it goes. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if you just heard the mascot of the show have an opinion about that. Yes. Our cat. Get out of there, stupid. This is very professional. <laughs> I, I'm personally just glad we were talking about such a serious, having right, a serious, serious conversation. And the and cat's like, hey, I'm in the closet. <laughs> like R. Kelly. Like Aaron Carter a couple days oh. ago. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Okay, so... So she moves back with this guy, and it's like... I'm sure it's so frustrating for her mom to see this happening and for her dad. She's really young. She's only she 22, was right? She 22 years yeah. old. She was super young, and she's in the grips. This this guy, John, just did They're sociopaths, and they're very charming, and they know how to guilt you and get you back. Right? And no matter how horrible and hard it is to watch someone you love be in an abusive relationship, it is... If you've never been in one before, it is so hard to leave. It really is. And I, you know, it, it's like an addiction almost. You get caught in this cycle. Um, and just to give a little background about this, who this John guy was, he was the head chef at the hotspot in L.A. He was 27 years old, so he was a little older than her, but not much. And she was... What was the hotspot restaurant? It was called, like, La Maison something. Oh. Very like Mr. Cliche. Chin, Mr. Chins, Mr. Chow, Mr. Chow. I've been to Mr. Chow's. Before. What's Chin Chin? Oh, I was thinking of Chin Chin. Chin Chin's yeah. on Sunset. Okay. It's like whatever. Okay, so this restaurant does not exist anymore. It does not, but uh -huh. I'm sure it had a lot of black lacquer surfaces yeah. and white pillows and pesto. Pe <laughs> <laughs> sure, there was pesto and dried tomatoes or whatever they were serving in the early '80s. It was you know, went and left. So they were both, you know, she's at the, she's never even been in a movie before. This is her first movie. She's a television actress. She's like about to break right. big. And they're hot in Hollywood together. They're like a little power couple. So Dominique moves back in to their house. On September 22nd, 1982, John strangled Dominique during a fight. A friend who was staying with them tried to intervene, but John defused the situation. Like, right. a classic manipulator probably. So there was someone there excuse. and went back upstairs into the apartment while they fought on the front steps. This is before that. Oh, okay. Yeah, there was another situation. Oh, okay. So a friend who was staying with them, you know, John, he, he managed to defuse the situation, but while he was talking to this friend that was staying with them, Dominique snuck out of the house through the bathroom window. And when John heard the sound of Dominique's car starting in the driveway, this is some pretty psychopathic behavior. He acts like a fucking horror movie villain and jumps on the hood of her car while she's trying to leave. And I'm sure it's like, yeah. she just wants to get out of there. She's like Ugh. narrowly escaped. This asshole hears the engine and he jumps on her car to scare her. She does manage to get away. She goes back to her mom's house, and this is when she decides to break it off with him for good. She had the locks changed to their apartment. She's done. She's making a fresh start. So she's broken up with him at this point. On October 30th, 1982, Dominique was rehearsing lines with David Packer. He was a co-star for an upcoming TV series they were going to be on together. 
And while on the phone with a friend, I guess while she was taking a break from them rehearsing their lines, an operator interrupted the call, which I guess is like early call waiting. Right. Like, operator, yeah. someone else on the line for you. It's right. your psycho ex. Right. And it was. It was Shit. John Sweeney. So he can't even handle a busy signal. No. He's <sighs> fucking has to get through. It's an emergency. He's psychotic. He has to get through to Dominique. She tells her friend on the other line, let me just try and get him off the phone. It's John. She does. She gets him off the phone. But ten minutes later, he shows up at their place. Because of fucking course he does. So she goes downstairs. They argue through the front door for a while. And she decides, okay, I'm just going to fucking go outside, talk to him face to face, and reason with him. Which was not the best idea for her. But I'm sure at that point she just wanted, wanted him, him to she go. She wanted him to go. She yeah. was desperate to do anything to get him to leave. So she goes outside and John begins assaulting her. Meanwhile, David, her co-star, is still in the house. He can hear everything that's happening, which I think is crazy because David didn't actually go outside to physically intervene. When he did, he did call the police while he was inside, but the police for some reason said that it was out of their jurisdiction, which I find really fishy. Right. Either I'm angry at the cops or I feel like David didn't actually call the police because he didn't want to be involved. I don't know, but that's what I could find about that. I also think it's really shitty that he didn't call the police and then go outside and hit John over the head with something in self-defense. Or what about just throw something out the window? Anything. like if Anything. Like, even if he knew someone else was there. Right, to stop it yeah. and break it up. Like, he didn't actually physically intervene. So what David, this co-star, ho- did do... Luckily, that guy's not famous. I hope it ruined his career. <laughs> Me too, because that's like, what the hell? Like, I would have at least been like, hey, get the fuck out of here. Right. I'm, I'm calling the police. He's like, like something. crouching in the back. Like, yeah. And so what you just did... picture him with like his big headphones on, like right. not hearing anything, but just being like, don't you want me, baby? <laughs> <laughs> like, just like he just totally missed it all. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, fuck. Like, I mean, maybe I'm, that's giving him the benefit of the I doubt. I just feel like David really dropped the ball here. Yeah, what the fuck, David Packer? So he calls the police. And they're like, oh, it's out of our jurisdiction. So he doesn't even try again, like, a different police station. He instead calls a friend, and he says to the friend, if anything happens to me, John Sweeney did it. So David tries to sneak out of the house at this point. What? I am dumbfounded that this guy didn't go out there and fucking attack John Sweeney. Well, even if you're scared, I understand that maybe you don't want to get murdered, but you still would do everything you could without getting murdered, right? Like I feel like I would be I mean, I'm psycho. I would have just run down and tried to stop it. Right. Like, he didn't have a gun. No, he didn't have a gun. He's just this crazy guy. Um, So David sneaks out. He actually sees... He actually sees John Sweeney on his way out by some bushes... Standing over Dominique, and instead of going over there and physically being like, hey, get off of her, he j- all he says to her is, you better call the police. What the fuck? David Packer is the worst part of the story. <laughs> I mean, I know the guy he's murdered like, her, almost, but like... He's like kind of worse than John Sweeney at this point. I'm so angry. I was so angry reading this stuff about I him. just I don't think I ever knew that there was someone else there. It's yes. so horrifying. Was that in the Dominic Dunn story? Because Dominic must have been like, dude, what the fuck, David Packer? I hope Dominic ruined his career. I, maybe he did, because Dominic Dunn was like a writer. Well, he's like a huge producer, and then her brother is Griffin Dunn. Right. So hopefully... And one know. of her aunts is somebody else, too. Joan Didion. Is her aunt. Right. So she comes from a well-connected Hollywood right. family. Um, so fuck this guy. He, like, what are the shitty, what a shitty move. Um, so He's like, I just came here for scene study. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to, I don't, I don't know what I mean, I need to look this guy up later. <laughs> yeah, we need to look him up. So basically, John Sweeney actually ends up, does calling the police, which is crazy. And, um... He, uh, the police arrive and they find John with his hands up saying, I killed my girlfriend. I killed my girlfriend. God, I hate him. I just fucking fucking hate hate him. him. I hate him. So they arrest him. They take him in. I thought she survived short for a while. Okay. They rush her to the hospital, but her heart had stopped. So they had to put her on life support. Right. 
and she was in a coma for like five days. She never regained consciousness. So on November 4th, 1982, she was taken off life support and she was only 22 years old. Here's what happened to John Sweeney. The night after the attack, John Sweeney was booked and charged with attempted murder. But after the death on November 4th, he was charged with first degree murder. In 1983, John took the stand in his own defense. And he, of course, tried to explain away the violence by basically saying, I didn't know what happened. The next thing I knew, I was just on top of her. I was in a rage. She said she wanted to get back together with me. But she was lying, and I just got so mad. Like, Literally, no one cares, John. Shut up. <laughs> go fuck yourself, John Sweeney. This guy is such a piece of shit. So his lawyer was really going for this whole crime of passion defense to try and get him this reduced sentence. Um, and it was obviously bullshit, because John has a history of abuse. He was beating the shit out of her. This wasn't right. a crime of passion. This wasn't an isolated incident. Also, who cares? He murdered someone. I don't, I don't really care if it's a crime of passion. Right. I mean, she wasn't fighting him. He came to her to kill her. She uh, wasn't... He came to the house. He still murdered <laughs> I mean, her. He it still just, murdered somebody. It's such bullshit. So, they actually had one of John's ex-girlfriends testify, and she had been beaten to shit by John in the past. So, they had this woman... And she's testifying on the stand, like, yeah, this guy did all of the same crazy-ass fucking shit to me. This is when we dated in the late 70s. He was abusive. He fucking stalked me. John motherfucking Sweeney is sitting there watching his ex testify, and he loses it. He lunges at her. He tries to attack her. And the judge is like, order, order. Yeah, order in the court, motherfucker. And and everyone's like, whoa, what's Oh, I'm still not sure if he did it. (laughs) (laughs) this justice system I mean this is one of the flaws I feel like this is one of the first of all crime of passion should be an illegal term because that's complete and utter fucking bullshit like I Uh, hate that as like a defense I do too and it doesn't it's I don't like the title of it crime of passion crime of passion should be like when someone starts eating you out but then stops that's a crime of passion or they fuck you to death (laughs) and it's good up until that moment you die right it was all worth it. <laughs> That's a crime of passion. Right. Being so, so fucking crazy that you're stalking and killing someone because you're obsessed with them is not a crime of passion. No. So, um... Crime of passion is the name of my erotic soft <laughs> porn film. I can't wait to read this. Please donate to our Patreon so Desi can make this yeah, porn so movie. If I don't have to write stupid profiles anymore, realtors, I might have more time to devote to my softcore porn. And I Sorry. lost my job writing about realtors recently, so please donate to our Patreon. Um, anyway, so, so yeah. So he, so he lunges. That's insane. He lunges at her. And because it caused such a ruckus in the courtroom, they had to declare her statement inadmissible. I don't care because you saw it, jury. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I was wondering about. Who are these jurors who are such fucking nerds that they're like, okay. well, technically the judge told us not to pay attention to that, so I cannot use that in my deliberations that's at what all. I always it is impossible. I always feel, I always wonder, like, how does that even work? Like, you still saw it happen. It's still in your brain. Also, it's very relevant in my opinion. Because it's, oh it's not the um, witness's fault. And also, doesn't that give the uh, defendants an incentive to always go batshit crazy every time someone exactly. speaks? I mean, That made seriously. me think about that, where it's like, okay, so this guy gets to threaten his ex-girlfriend once again, but in court this time, and act a fucking fool, and he gets, he, it's good for him? Yeah. So, that Fuck. fucking pissed me off. Here's some more shit that'll piss you off. Mm-hmm. So... This removed, because it was inadmissible, this removed the proof of predetermination. So, Uh, on September 21st, 1983, John Sweeney was acquitted of second-degree murder and convicted of voluntary manslaughter. He was sentenced to just six years in prison. And he would wind up only serving about three and a half. So he's still in his early 30s when he gets out. Right. He's... Just out there in the world. I remember seeing some video of him cooking again, like working in restaurants. Like he changed his yeah, name or something. To, yeah, he changed it to John Mora, and I think he's living in the Pacific Northwest. I stumbled upon. Oh right, right. I like did a see Facebook that Facebook group, and they were like, "Justice for Dominique." Yeah. You know, um, so he fucking sucks. 
Beauty should be good for you. And that's why we're excited to tell you about Beauty Counter. Beauty Counter is a clean makeup and skincare brand that started in 2013, disrupting the beauty industry by shedding a light on the need for stronger ingredient regulations in the personal care products that we use daily. Today, Beauty Counter is the leading clean beauty brand creating innovative and high-performing products that are safer and cleaner than even their like-minded competitors. So what do we mean by clean? Over 1,800 questionable ingredients are never used in Beauty Counter's formulations. They call this their never list. You can learn more at beautycounter.com, where you're also going to want to check out their incredible products. Best of all, if you're a new customer and you order through March 15th, you'll get free shipping on your order of $100 or more when you use the code HOLLYWOOD. Once again, to get free shipping on your order of $100 or more, go to beautycounter.com and use the code HOLLYWOOD. As most of us have found out the hard way, getting into debt is easy, getting out of it is hard, especially if your credit score isn't great. Thankfully, now there's Upstart.com, the revolutionary lending platform that knows you're more than just your credit score and offers smarter interest rates to help you pay off high-interest credit card debt. I know firsthand that there's nothing more frustrating than trying to pay something down and your payments are pretty much just paying off the interest. Upstart goes beyond the traditional credit score when assessing your credit worthiness. Upstart believes you're more than just your credit score. They believe in you. The best part? Once the loan is approved and accepted, most people get their funds the very next business day. Over 400,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards or meet their financial goals. So free yourself from the burden of high-interest credit card debt by consolidating everything into one monthly payment with Upstart. See why Upstart is top-ranked in their category with a 4.9 out of 5 rating on Trustpilot and hurry to upstart.com slash Hollywood to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes. That's upstart.com slash Hollywood. All right. That was the first major. Major. That's one of the major, most famous. There were two deaths that happened afterwards related to poltergeist actors that weren't necessarily... Some people debate that they're part of the curse because one of them, you know, was... They were both, related. yeah, yeah. They're both illness related. So, in but maybe they got that illness from the curse. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. But, here, but here's why this next one is creepy to me. So, in nineteen, then in 1985, actor Julian Beck and he, he who played the creepy Reverend Kane. Yeah, from very the creepy. Sequel, so creepy. White hair, very gaunt looking, big blue eyes. He actually looks dead in the movie. Well, <laughs> like... there's a reason he looks dead in the movie. He was literally dying while they were shooting it. He had oh. stomach cancer. Oh, and he didn't tell them? Because that seems like you wouldn't be cast, right? Because it's like against... <laughs> no, don't I you have do to? Well, don't you have to like usually take like a health thing and everything to prove that you won't die during the middle of filming? Like, <sighs> usually? I've never been in that high budget in a film before. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that that's pretty common. I guess. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Maybe he was a small part and he didn't have to? Because that no, seems pretty... No, he was like a major part. He was the villain in Right, the but it wasn't one. like, yeah, the second one, right? This is the sequel we're talking about. So they're filming the sequel. This guy died in 1985 while they were filming, after they were done filming, so he didn't even get to see... The sequel, which is slightly worse than the first one, right. but still fine, and I still watched it about a hundred times. I think I only saw the sequel one time. There's this really weird part that haunted me. Okay, well, first of all, I just want to say that this actor in particular, Julian Beck, his character, Reverend Kane, in the sequel, I used to have nightmares about this He's guy. very creepy. I had reoccurring nightmares about him that he was after me as a child. He's so scary looking. We'll post a picture I think he's the only person I remember from the sequel. Because he's so yeah. haunting looking. And that's because he was dying, basically. Right. Um, he's dying for his craft. He's literally <laughs> dying for his craft. I would like to see a film with him pre-Poltergeist too, Right. To see what, to see what he looks like. So, okay, so that's, that's that. Um, 1987, another Poltergeist 2 actor. This is the man who plays Taylor, the magical Native American. 
who helps the Freeling family because they're cursed again. Right, of the course. The curse is just fucking falling Let's try out. this Native American magic. Right. And Craig T. Nelson is like mildly racist and skeptical about it at right, first. Right, of course. Of course. Because yeah. it's the 80s. Yeah. And People weren't woke. They weren't on Twitter and Tumblr yet. No, he was just like, he was kind of a dick to this shaman guy until he saw him in his backyard with all these flowers and butterflies floating around him. And right. Like, well, now now that actor I know from other things. Played, like, I saw him around. I guess he got all the Native American He got roles. all, right, because Hollywood is very good at yeah. giving roles to people of color. He, he, he The he, same one. This, they just give it to, they pass it around like, oh, Lucy Liu, we need an Asian. <laughs> Um, yeah. So he, he also, he played the silent Native American character in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Oh, right, right, right. That's where I know him from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a huge part of that movie. That's a really great part. It's a really great part. He doesn't even say a word in that part, does he? No, he he doesn't until, and then he he kills him at the end. Sorry, spoiler. (laughs) That's what happened. I haven't seen that movie in like Uh, yeah, that's such a difficult part. Yeah. Oh. (laughs) See, I have a heart. I know. (laughs) It's a good movie. That's right. yeah. Oh yeah, with the pillow. Right. Right. Jack Nicholson. That's right. After yeah. he gets the lobotomy. Yeah. Oh, that was so touching. He didn't say a lot, but he he, he did a lot. lot. But he said a lot. He said a lot. Without saying a lot. Yeah. Okay. So okay. Will Will Sampson. That's this actor. His name, name is Will Sampson. Okay. Same as Will Sampson. How did he die? He died from complications following a heart and lung transplant. Oh well. Like I mean. A year ish after. The first, I mean, the second movie came out. The sequel came out in 1986. So his death wasn't that strange as he'd been battling an illness for some time. But this guy, this Native American actor, was a real-life shaman. And he did perform an exorcism on set of Poltergeist 2, which I thought was an interesting little Why did he get a um, lung and heart transplant? He had an illness. Oh, okay. I I can't pronounce it. Oh, so it was some kind of... Genetic. He needed it. Yeah. He needed it. So it was just yeah. an illness. It wasn't like. Uh, it wasn't partying hard. <laughs> no, it wasn't partying hard or anything sorted like that. He uh-huh. really just had some crazy had, disease. Yeah. yeah, he had a disease, and but I just thought it was cool that this guy actually was a shaman, a shaman, and that they had him on set and that he preemptively performed an exorcism. Right. So well, maybe that's what happened, and all the bad spirits went inside of him. <laughs> No, I actually have heard that before Um, when I knew someone who had breast cancer and they had a shaman come to get the stuff out. It was like one of the things they did. They didn't do that instead of surgery. Um, But they said that certain people, uh, children couldn't be there because they were too open and the bad spirits might go into them. Yeah. So I actually had to, I actually took the kids and played with them while everyone was doing the ceremony. But it was funny because I was like, and I also have a very innocent, open heart. So I, I can also not be here. That wasn't why I was picked. I, I actually volunteered to take the kids because I knew I would probably laugh. <laughs> so I'm not as good as I seem, just in I case would, you were worried. I, I would love to see your face, just the little twitches. There's literally no way I could sit through that without laughing. Like it would be really, and they were all into it. So right. I just knew it was, I was like, I'll take the kids. Right, and it's like... Me and my innocent open heart will go also, because those evil spirits will want want me. (laughs) Yes. So, the most famous... To me, this was the most famous one, at least that I knew of. So, Poltergeist, we haven't even really mentioned her yet, but the star of the Poltergeist franchise was Heather O'Rourke. She played Carol Ann Freeling, who was the unfortunate victim of all the poltergeists and my arch enemy as a kid because i i was like i want to be her (laughs) i wanted to be a child star she (laughs) and she was really cute she's so cute i actually this is little side note i filmed i did a horror film last summer like a short and the girl in the horror film who played my daughter because i'm of that age now i can have daughters you have kids i have kids um the girl who played my daughter, the little girl, her mom was up for the role of Carol Ann. And I'm oh. such a Poltergeist fan that I was like totally fangirling out. Ooh, she yeah. just went in for the audition. Yeah, of course. She wasn't even like... A but the daughter up. who played my daughter looked like... Had a Carol Ann look to right. her. So right. So I was like, that's cool. So Carol Ann is the little blonde girl. She's very angelic. I actually read that Drew Barrymore was up for the part. Oh. But... Not angelic enough. Not angelic <laughs> As we learned, as we learned later on. They knew. They knew. 
But, but they probably put her in E.T., right? Steven Spielberg was like, we'll put her in E.T. Oh, really? Because those were... They came out yeah, the same year. That's right. So they put so her in So that worked e. out. It totally worked out. She's fine. She's yeah, fine. She's good. She, did she didn't die. Heather did not do fine. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1987, a few months before the production of Poltergeist's third installment, which, by the way, sucks. It I honestly don't terrible. think I saw it. You know who's in it? Caroline is the one... Carol Ann and Tangina, uh, the what's her name, Zelda Rubinstein, mm-hmm. the little old lady, they're the only two original actors from right from the first film. Reverend Kane obviously can't be in it. They got someone that kind of vaguely looks like him to just like be scary. Uh, the, oh, sorry. Um, they they um, the Craig T. Nelson's gone. Right, Joe Beth Williams gone. gone. All the Robbie's gone. No, none of the original people are there. So they have Tom Skerritt playing oh God. like the dad yeah. who's living with her. She I feel like he always gets cast when the other original star leaves. <laughs> I was, he's always like the second. He's always like. He's well, like, how about Tom? Tom Selleck can't do it. How about Tom Skerritt? <laughs> like oh, whoever. He can't do it. How about oh, Patrick yeah. Duffy? Martin Sheen's not available. <laughs> how about Tom Skerritt? <laughs> But he's not bad, but I just feel like he's always the second choice. He's so bad in this movie. Um, I actually remembered one of my favorite lines ever from any film is also in the original Poltergeist. I switch it up a bit um, where I think we both made jokes about saging our pussies. Yes. Where you say, like, this house is clean. This house is clean. This house is clean. You say that after you sage your pussy. Always. I say that line all the fucking time. Anytime... I help my friend out through a situation with a fuckboy. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta do, you gotta you do it all. It's a good line, yeah. Always. This house is clean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Tom Skerritt. Uh, basically, the plot of Poltergeist Three, just to let you guys know how ridiculous it is. Carol Ann conveniently moves away from her family to go to a gifted school in Chicago, and she moves into a high-rise luxury apartment. Where she's being taken care of. Oh, wait, of. this sounds really familiar. Yeah, I think I did see it. She's being taken care of <laughs> by Tom Skerritt and his wife, who I forget the actress's name, but one of them is like the brother in law of Joe Beth, right, her right. mom or something. But they're like aunt and uncle. Aunt situation. And, uncle uh-huh. and Laura Flynn Boyle plays their daughter. <laughs> and she's. So this is Laura Flynn Boyle in 1988. She's so smoking hot and such a bitch. I love her um, in this movie. And she just like she she's wearing this gigantic large stonewashed denim jacket and all this blush and she's very late eighties. It's it's really cute. So this movie sucked. Um, it was really just like a last gasp to get yeah. cash in on the franchise. Heather O'Rourke at this point filming it is eleven years old. She's she's get, getting a little less cute. She's getting a little. She definitely looked a little less cute. And here might be why. So she was diagnosed in 1987 with Crohn's disease. And she was put on steroids. Oh, right. Which made her face puffy. Puffa. And I read that after I rewatched Poltergeist 3 last week. And I said, oh, okay. That makes a little sense. Because her face does look She looks puffy. Odd. She... Here's the thing about how Carol Ann looks. God rest her soul. I love, I love that child. The haircut doesn't work on an eleven-year-old's face. I no, but like. I think they were still trying to make her look cute, like young, work. cute, instead it wasn't of a good haircut. Yeah, and that's why it looks weird. I think because it's too because they're still trying to make her long. like she's five or six. They treat her like she's five yeah. or six. She's wearing little red footy pajamas right. throughout the whole movie. Yeah, it's 11. really demented. It's really weird that she's supposed to be this 11, 12-year-old and she's still... I mean, I still do that, but I look really cute. <laughs> my, my but I look really cute up. in those footy pajamas with the butt flap open. Right. <laughs> with your butt plug shoved yeah. in, running around the house. This butt is clean. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, she's more reverent. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> so I... So it's a shitty movie. I think you guys should watch it just because it's so awful. Like, I was on my phone watching the movie, but yeah, it was awful. That's how little cinematic quality you need. And Tom's, and, and the score is totally different because right. the budget, they didn't want to pay. I don't even know that two did that well. So the fact that they did a third was like. Two didn't do as well as the first one, but it still pulled in enough money. Well, it must have like, to do a three. I mean. Yeah, they were like, all right, let's shit out a third. Yeah. Uh, Carol Ann, you know. Right whatever let's do it and she did it and um 
Yeah, it's bad. Like, there's a scene where Tom Skerritt and his wife are trapped in a meat locker, or like a freezer, a walk-in freezer, basically. And it's supposed to be really scary, because getting trapped in a walk-in freezer is terrifying. And Tom Skerritt's face, I'm going to post, I, I took a picture of it on my phone a couple weeks ago, or last week, and I posted it on Twitter, like, Tom Skerritt's scared face. It's really bad. He's just like, Oh, like he doesn't look that scary. He's kind of smiling, like you can tell he's really just like, wants to go home. They're like, set. just one more time, but this time scared. <laughs> he just does not look scared at all. He looks like right. mildly concerned and cut, but more kind of like curious, like what is that? Let me yeah. See. And Ugh. the wife is like devastated. So then it's even more obviously bad. Yeah, he just was so phoning it in. Which every time I see Tom Skerritt anywhere, all I think is Tom Skerritt. I never think that actor he does like you never think the character no and maybe it's because he was in poison ivy with drew barrymore right and she was like 16 in that movie and he's like eating her pussy and he still had that scared face on (laughs) 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 okay so back to carol ann heather was actually misdiagnosed with crohn's disease she did not have crohn's disease so whatever illness that she did have was being untreated. And after principal photography ended the film, she goes back to California. And on February 1st, 1988, Heather died of a heart attack, which was caused by toxic shock during surgery for an obstructed valve. And she was 12 years old. I remember when she died. You do? Yeah. And yeah. it was like shocking. Because it, it was, was I mean, there, in my child brain, I was kind of like, Oh, I feel bad because I hated her for having the career I wanted <laughs> as a child star. Yeah. So it was sort of like, but then I was like, I feel bad now for hating her because right. I was still a child. Right. Now I would know. That's okay. You didn't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know they were going to die. <laughs> Your jealousy was warranted. It was fine. She's yeah. iconic now. She never no. made any fuck up. I actually Hollywood. did not, re- I didn't believe it was possible. Like you could die. It's really like scary. that. It's also, really... no one knew. I remember at the time, I was like, "What do you mean?" Like, it didn't make sense. Like, right. there was no reason. Because a twelve-year-old girl doesn't just die unless she's yeah. murdered. Yeah, I think that's what was sort of shocking. It's very shocking and heartbreaking, and because it's something that I feel like, again, like with Dominique, could have been prevented or right was just really bad circumstances, really bad set of events that were set. But this almost seems like neglect. I'm not blaming the mother. No, but you wonder, like, like yeah, either the doctor was something not being treated. Was it like, oh, she's filming the movie. Let's take care of this when she's done. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, what happened? Right, because when she finished filming Poltergeist three and went back to California with her family where she lived, she actually took a turn for the worse and got better. Like. It's not like this, I mean, it was very sudden when she did die, right. but I feel like she's still, if you have Crohn's disease and you're 12 years old, you're in the do- at the doctor's a lot. I don't know. I feel like... So they never found out what caused her illness? In the first place? Yeah. I don't know. I, all I could see was that she was misdiagnosed. Right. She was misdiagnosed with Crohn's disease, and as a result of that... She they weren't was, treating what was really wrong. Yeah, she, it's like it's Got like it. a house when the person is like right, and gets, there was no house there. There was no doctor house to help her. He would have known. Yeah, he would have been like, "It's lupus." <laughs> <laughs> so you watched that show too. <laughs> of course. <laughs> okay, so Poltergeist Three was released on June tenth, nineteen eighty-eight. Heather never got to see the film, and that's I feel like that's okay because it was terrible. And rest in peace, another work. All right, let's flash forward now. April 1st, 2009. Lou Perryman's body was discovered in his Houston home. His body had multiple stab wounds and an axe was found near it. A longtime character actor, Lou was featured in the original Poltergeist film. Now, this guy had a very small role in the first Poltergeist movie, Lou Perryman. I looked it up. It turns out... He was just one of the guys that's watching football. In the oh my god, the I hate that scene. <laughs> it's so dumb because it's so. When I first started watching Poltergeist again, 
like the last time I watched it, I was like, am I watching the right movie? Because I don't remember this football <laughs> scene at fucking all. Either. It is so weird to me because it's like, let's just do a real casual thing. <laughs> like they're all improvising, right. fo- guys watching football. And I was like, I fucking hate these guys. Like I don't remember this they scene were at such all. They were Basically the scene is, is, is... It was faux enthusiasm, right? It was like such terrible acting for it me. It was bad. It was so like, what do, bro, what do guys do when they're together? Yeah. They yell at the football screen. Oh, and then man, they it was get terrible. Basically what was happening in the scene, it's the beginning of the movie. They're trying to establish, like, we're just everybody before the haunting happens, I right. think. We're like, look at us. Guy, we're just like every everyday, guys. everyday guys and family. Right. Everything's normal. So they showed all these kind of like scenes to establish the normalcy of it all right shadowing weird stuff yeah right right the tv starts going out yeah and And they're like hitting it and and they're like hey (laughs) and it turns out like the neighbor it's so dumb (laughs) the neighbor next door like for some reason their signals are getting crossed right so i don't i don't remember how tvs worked in the 80s but they're (sighs) like pain yeah, there was a lot of But yeah, pain. so that scene is terrible. So he's one of the football players. He's one of the football friends. He's one of the friends that's over. Oh, football friends, right. Yeah, and they're watching football. So this guy's found in his home in 2009 dead. And this guy was was a character actor. He was in other stuff. But yeah. for the purpose of, of this show, we're talking about how he was involved in the movie Poltergeist. So Seth Tatum, a 26-year-old ex-con with mental health issues, turned himself in to the police the same day that Lou's body was discovered. Seth happened to come across Lou's house just by chance. Right. It was one of those really bad, wrong place at the wrong time situations. He broke in. He attacked the actor with an axe. Earlier that, yeah, (laughs) calm down. Dude, calm the fuck down with your casual murder. (laughs) Earlier that day, he attacked his mom's roommate with garden shears and a fireplace poker. Wow. So he used all the clues. Murder weapons. This guy, this guy's one of those stories that people who are super gun nuts are like, well, people die with axes sometimes right. too. Right. Look at this guy. He killed someone with garden shears. <laughs> <laughs> so that that was that was a pretty recent one. And Wait, when was that? This is two thousand nine. Oh, two thousand nine. Even more recent curse that happened in two thousand fifteen. Poltergeist, the remake, came out. I never saw this. Honestly, I did not know they remade that movie. They did, and I didn't see it. I watched the trailer for it, but like I said before, this is like my favorite movie. I have a really hard time accepting remakes sometimes. Who was in this movie? I have no fucking idea. This is something I did not do research on, this this actual movie, because I've never seen it. But... There was strange things afoot during the filming of the 2015 remake of Poltergeist. It appears that the curse had attached itself to even this production. So according to director Gil Kennan, lights would pop and blow while filming on a very specific plot of land. Just this one specific plot of land. Like, they were filming um, on this property where the house was of the family. And there was this one area where they just could not film because lights would explode. So I guess that's not that creepy, but it's a little creepy. It's just weird. The next thing that happened in the recent past was in 2015, a family in Sacramento purchased a Cabbage Patch doll on eBay that once belonged (laughs) to Heather O'Rourke. This couple, it was actually a couple and they had kids. They are hardcore Poltergeist fans. The dad even has a tattoo. The dad who bought this doll off eBay even has a tattoo of Heather. That is disgusting. Oh, Which is really creepy. Like, when did you get that? So, who marries a man who has a Heather O'Rourke tattoo? I'm sorry. <laughs> this, I don't know how true this story is, but I did find uh, the email and the account of the events of this cursed Cabbage Patch doll that belonged to Heather O'Rourke on a paranormal site. And because they were freaking out because all this shit was happening to them... So they reached out to a paranormal expert, as you do. Of course. Like, please help us. Instead of just throwing the fucking cabbage patch away. 
right. Or like in Child's Play, I always wonder why they didn't just fucking tear that doll apart and right. put him in the trash compactor. Yeah. Maybe they did in the sequel. When he, it like, sounds like a sequel. Thing. Well, he did. Chucky did die a bunch of times and always came back. Right. He's like Jason. Why would you buy a doll that ugly, though? It's not a kid doll. Here's the thing about Cabbage Patch dolls. <laughs> I am of the era where they were fucking huge. And oh, yeah. I had like I four. I didn't want one because I was scared of them, but I did have pound puppies. I had pound puppies, and I even had a Cabbage Patch preemie, <laughs> which I feel like is so unwoke, right? <laughs> like, I feel like that would be like... They had Cabbage Patch preemies? Yeah, they had preemies, and I feel like they got discontinued because people were like, that's actually not a good thing that's to have, actually... like, like people, like little girls growing up going, I want a premature baby because they're smaller and cuter. <laughs> It's so twisted. Can we post a picture of a preemie cabbage patch? Of course, yeah. This week? I wish I had mine, but I wish you still. Had she died. <laughs> she died of complications of prematureness. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I do have. I do have a memory that they. It was something that some at some point it was like early '90s woke people were like, like hey, that's guys. a little problematic <laughs> to to encourage the love of premature babies. It, it's pretty fucked. Yeah. Okay, so here's the email that this family the dad of this family sent to a paranormal expert after purchasing Heather O'Rourke's Cabbage Patch doll, which turned out to be haunted. Okay. Sent Friday, April 10th, 2015. Subject, Heather O'Rourke doll. Hello. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our story and trying to help us. This is what happened. On Monday, October 27th, 2014, I received a text message from my wife, Jamie Lynn. She asked me, It's okay. There's plenty to laugh about in this email. She asked me how much I would be willing to pay for a Cabbage Patch Kid that belonged to Heather O'Rourke. As a huge fan of the Poltergeist movies, I even have a tattoo of Carol Ann sitting in front of the TV. Okay. My response was, anything. Jesus Christ. My wife was able to purchase the doll on eBay for $100. I can't express how excited we were to have the ultimate horror fan collectible. The doll arrived on the 30th of October. We were in awe. Halloween day. Oh, that's a separate sentence. We were in awe. Halloween day, we left our anniversary trip to Reno. Our anniversary is November 1st. While in Reno, we got a call that my wife's stepbrother had been in a terrible accident while playing soccer. He ended up with a ruptured spleen and broken ribs. Due to internal bleeding, he was hospitalized for five days. Three days later, my father-in-law became ill. Within two days, he was in a coma. He was diagnosed with encephalitis. He remained in a coma for five to six days, and we almost lost him. He's still in rehab for brain damage. We thought we could get back on with our lives after a very trying few weeks. On December 2nd, my wife found out that her childhood friend John had committed suicide by gunshot. On December 8th, our good friend Dawn died of heart failure. She was 33. Jesus. Shortly after, my mother was having <clears throat> agonizing pain in her hip. She ended up having surgery. On January 7th, my wife's uncle Jeff, not a blood relative. He was her best friend's father who took my wife in on more than one occasion as a child. Jesus, calm Why down. Just my family friend Jeff. Right. That's like really a lot. Passed away from a heart attack. He had no known medical conditions. On January 26th, my wife was hospitalized for the night with a rare intestinal infection. The end of January, I left my job for a new company. Okay. On February 1st, I took a massive shit that gave me hemorrhoids. Like, what the fuck, dude? Oh, it gets, it gets there almost. On February 12th, I was let go. Okay, so he was fired. February 14th, we had to put our dear dog Zeus down. Zeus. Listen, listen to this tragedy. Early March, our four-year-old Pomeranian lost a tooth. Damn. He should have reordered these tragedies. <laughs> you know what? My cat lost a tooth. Okay. Well, are you part of the poltergeist curse? <laughs> Maybe. Shortly after, my wife was told something was wrong with her heart and they suspended her driver's license. How does that happen? I didn't know that happened when there's something wrong with Jesus. your heart. Jesus she has had to wear heart monitors for 24 hours, twice, and they still don't know what is wrong. 
On March 27th, due to an error, Kern County Child <coughs> Support levied my account right before a bunch of debit purchases and auto drafts cleared. This left us with negative account balance of almost $2,000. My car broke down two days prior. What is this, fucking queen for a day? <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> Pay your child support, dude. This is that song, because you had a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I'm embarrassed this, this, for this man. Like, it's like, be a man. <laughs> okay, last week she had doctors doctors notify my mother that her surgery had not only failed, she had a fracture in her hip. <sighs> she had hip replacement surgery on April 8th. On top of all this, my wife and I have not gotten along. This is what happens <laughs> if you buy a fucking Cabbage Patch doll. Like, seriously, as an adult, come on. There is constant tension in the air, and the topic of divorce has come up more than once. I want to divorce him. You spend grocery monies on a Cabbage Patch doll. Yeah, you owe $2,000 in back child support, and you bought a fucking Cabbage Patch doll. <laughs> okay. Uh, when do they die? Please <laughs> tell me this ends in his death. This is how our life has been for the past five and a half months. We are really looking forward to meeting you, and we hope we can find a resolution. <laughs> that sounds like her pussy's flapping. <laughs> it's just my cat scratching its ear, scratching her ear. Fat, 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 fat. <laughs> okay. P.S. There's a P.S. On Ugh. March 27th, my wife's my wife. <laughs> my wife. My wife is sick. Please, <laughs> please, my wife. It's thick. My, my wife's stepdad became ill. His face was swollen. <clears throat> he was nauseous and He nervous. looked like a cabbage patch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. This tragedy is just too much. He was urinating blood like oh. a creamy cabbage patch. <laughs> Dear God. Most likely from a spider bite. Today, April Wait, 11th. the spider bit him on his dick? What the hell? Damn. Today, April 11th. 2015, we found out our little dog. <laughs> this is so awful. Sorry. We found out our little dog has Dorada. What's what? that? Dorada? Isn't that the woman <laughs> from Real Housewives? Like Giada De La Renta. No, Dorota. Oh, Dorota from <laughs> New York. Sorry. <clears throat> oh, man. Okay. I can't even imagine getting an email like this. He I would signed, have deleted it. <laughs> he signs it. Owners of... Owners... I can't get through how he signed it. Owners of Heather Works Cursed Cabbage Patch Doll. This cannot be real, but it's too boring to not be real. <laughs> These are their names. Jamie Lynn Hazard and Dusty Graves. Ugh. I'm sorry. This can't I'm be true. I'm sorry. Hazard. But if you're gonna if you're gonna make up a story, at least be more interesting. Be Don't more talk interesting. about like fucking heart attacks and a tooth falling out of your Pomeranian. Like, damn. Oh, this guy says his name is Dusty Graves and his wife's name is Jamie Lynn Hazard. That is I don't know, this is like a WWF fucking <laughs> wrestling team. The, the B level. It's really bad. It's really, really bad. Ugh. So, of course, the paranormal expert that like posted this is like, this is serious. Yeah. Guys. They came in with like that thing that goes on their head in the box that gets like, wah, 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 there's something over here. And this <laughs> the heat sensor yeah. and the. Yeah. Here's a recording we made of the ghost. It is like, I'm scared. <laughs> I watch too much coast, coast to coast AM. <laughs> See, they clearly just said, help me. I'm being tortured. And then you're like, oh yeah, now I hear it. Play it again. Oh my God. And really it's just the cat stuck in the closet. Yeah, it's just the cat. See, it all comes full circle. <laughs> So there's some cursed so things, some and then there's things. the Cabbage Patch Doll story. <laughs> here's, here's where they believed that the poltergeist curse originated. In the film, as we mentioned before, there is the famous scene where the skeletons emerge in the Freeling household, in the backyard, everywhere. They're coming up through the ground, and it's discovered that they've been living on an Indian burial ground. Um, I don't even think it's an Indian burial ground. I think it's just a 
just a all just a burial ground. It's not even specified, but they're they've been living on a cemetery, right? Basically, and they had just the the real estate developer had just moved the headstones, so that's implied that this is why the house was haunted. Now, when they made the film, Steven Spielberg decided that he wanted to use real skeletons. These were not props. Those were real skeletons. And Joe Beth Williams had no idea at the time. She is the one, the mother, who's swimming around in the pool, desperately trying to claw her way out, and it's muddy and slippery, and she's really hot in a little teeny tiny red right. shirt and panties. And skeletons are attacking her. She didn't even know. She thought she just assumed they're Props. fake skeletons. Right. No, these were real skeletons that they imported from India. India's like, fuck it, we don't... <laughs> we <laughs> here don't, you go. <laughs> we got enough people here, we don't need these skeletons. <laughs> I... So that is... That's the origin. So that's the origin. That's the origin. That's the origin, is that these... They, because they use real skeletons, that this entire franchise has been cursed. And... Who knows? It could have. It could have. I'm gonna sage this place after you leave yeah. because just doing this episode and doing all the research that I learned, and also just the fact that I was such a fan when I was a kid, and right. then I had a really fucked up last few years before I got sober. So maybe that's like the curse. Yeah, this house is clean. I want this house <laughs> to be clean. You know, this house is very. This house, the house that I live in, was built in 1920. I've never had any ghosts here. Never had any weird hauntings, except for that cat. The cat. The cat. <laughs> except for some weird dick Ooh, that's been in here yeah. before. You've had some haunted dick. I've had some haunted dick in here. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah. I so, mean, I believe every word and all the things are true. <laughs> <laughs> Including the cabbage patch, especially the especially cabbage patch. Especially the cabbage patch. I would like to buy that cabbage patch, too. You should look on yeah, eBay and let's see buy if it. they put it back on the sale. <clears throat> um... Yay. Yay. So that was very it. interesting. So I guess just once again, thank you to all our Patreons. And please check out our Patreon if you like their new audio that you've all been complaining about. You should be happy to throw us a few dollars to help us pay for our new wonderful equipment. Please. We, hope we appreciate it. We really appreciate it. We love our listeners and we appreciate everyone who's given us reviews on iTunes. Yeah, the reviews are great and, really and the nice. support has been great and we're really happy so far with how it's going and we hope you are too. Okay, we'll Bye. see you guys Thank next you. week. Bye.